Hello and welcome back to CMO Combo, the show from CMO Alliance and all things shaping the role of marketing leaders now and in the future. We're joined by Katie Klumper, CEO of Black Glass Consulting, and we're taking a look at the role and responsibilities of CMOs in driving societal change. Hi, Katie. Welcome to CMO Combo. How are you doing today? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for joining us and thank you for speaking to us on the show because it's going to be a very, very important conversation to be had um, with everything that's going on in the world. And it's about how CMOs can drive societal change. And there's a lot of changes going on in society already. And there's a lot of a lot of issues that need tackling by a lot of different um, different companies. But before we get down to the nitty gritty of that, maybe you could introduce yourself to our audience. Katie, tell us a bit about who you are and Black Glass. Thank you so much. I'm Katie Klumper. I'm the CEO and founder of Black Glass. We are a marketing consultancy that is purpose-built for CMOs. And what we mean by that is getting specific into marketing department and marketing challenges as our core focus. So we help CMOs of all varieties with strategy, team transformation, and uh, data and technology. So excited to be here uh, and cover off some of these questions. So thank you. Awesome, awesome. So before we get into the, the meat of it, let's maybe let's define what we mean by societal change. What what do we mean in sort of the context that CMOs can actually affect? Because we're not expecting CMOs to be solving all the world's ills. Not gonna. There's not gonna be a single CMO who comes out and like fixes climate change. So what do we mean in sort of like the context of what? CMOs can be doing and what we mean by societal change? Yeah, I, it's a huge topic that we have with CMOs every single day. And they're trying to figure out where do they insert their brand and what does that start to look like? And it really stems around society and culture. And if we think about CMOs and, and marketers in general, their proximity to consumers and the volume of messages and interaction they have with customers every single day can start to shift perceptions, not only for their brand and their products, but all of the other topics that surround it. So it is very much a part of the conversation um, every day. And it's not just when something's hit the market. It's not when there's a big trigger moment. It, it is very much a part of the everyday. And how can they use their brands for good? How can they drive more progress? And and what their legacy is. So what, what do we mean by, by progress in that respect? Do you, do you have a, maybe like a specific example of what you mean by that? Absolutely. Yeah, so even thinking about, you know, um, most recently with Ukraine, right? We've seen T-Mobile step up and they're giving uh, free long distance calls to their customers to create access. And so a lot of it is how do you start to not only just have like short-term progress of like, how do I help do good things in the world today? But then you look at larger scale brands who are also trying to do large, uh, longer term impact. And what does that start to look like? And how do they use their purpose and values to drive good? So it, it's on all spectrums. It's not just doing good for good sake. It's, it's, it has benefits as well to brands because more and more consumers are paying a lot, a lot of attention to what their brands do, what they, do, um, what kind of actions they're taking, what kind of causes they support. So, is that something that CMO should be thinking of? Should they be doing it for the slightly cynical reason of trying to attach yourselves to the kind of things that their audience are, are going to be supporting, or, or, or should we just purely think about it, like this is the right thing to do? Yeah, it definitely cannot be an advertising play. Um, as we look at authenticity as the top word that these marketers continue to look at because they're getting looked at not only what they communicate in the world, but also how they behave 
internally? And what does that start to look like? You know, the most recent stat that I saw was 95% of CMOs feel like their brands should take a stance on societal issues. And so that is a manifestation of their values. And how do they start to connect with their consumer on real human things that their customers care about? But it's really tricky. There's a lot of polarizing topics. There's a lot of things out there that um, can be very challenging to navigate, but it is much more a part of the conversation in the last two years than we've seen before. Authenticity, uh, that's that's the word that I want to focus on there because that is very important. It it's, goes back to what we were saying about not just doing it for like cynical reasons. It's And it's something that is so important these days because consumers are so tech savvy these days, particularly Gen Z who are coming up, like they can find out everything they need to know about a brand very, very quickly. You can't hide skeletons in your closet anymore. You can't say that you're doing something and then not be supporting it. Even in, even if you're supporting a cause locally, you need to walk that walk globally as well. Like yeah. you can't just have a pride banner on in during pride month in certain state, certain places where it's okay to be gay. Like you need to be projecting that message globally because otherwise users will pick up on that. And that's gotta be one of the main challenges for CMOs, I think, is being able to not just present that message, but also action that message. Totally agree. And, and to your point, it's even more than just a message. It's what functionality, utility are you giving to your customers that's relevant? So to your exact example, you know, okay, Cupid not only do they stand for inclusion as one of their values, but they're looking on their apps. They have functionality that allow you to identify where, what is your um, social, sexual preference. And so it's those types of things where how do you make this about utility and functionality that allows you to drive benefit to your customer because you care about it versus a message. And that's really challenging as a brand to say, you know, what is our role in these types of conversations. And it starts to look at your permission you have as a brand and the permission that your customers will give you as well. And then when, when you don't walk that walk, it can be absolutely devastating for a brand. Like I'm thinking of, um, it's, it, it's come up on the show before, um, the Pepsi commercial, the infamous uh, Pepsi commercial with, the, with Kendall Jenner, where they're, they're attaching their, their name and their brand to sort of the imagery of societal uh, unrest of, of the protest movements that were going on at the time without actually bringing any kind of actual political message, without having any kind of real substance behind it and had a real, real negative impact on the brand for a while. Like people still make jokes about that, that advertising campaign. So avoiding those pitfalls of, as well has got to be a key, key thing when it comes to planning this kind of thing as a CMO. Like, is that, is it, do you have a, maybe sort of a process to make sure you're not falling into those traps? Absolutely. Yeah. So I would say the first one is be really clear on your purpose as a company and where you're going to play and not play. Like this isn't a marketing message. This is a representation of your company's values and the heart and soul. So, so what is that purpose? And what are the things that you do want to attach yourself to? And you don't, this can't be a knee jerk reaction. And the hard part is a lot of these things come up and we see marketers say, okay, well, what's our response to this? What's our response to this? And if you're really clear on this is our purpose, this is what we care about, this is what our customers care about, it starts to create some guardrails on what will you um, support or not support and what does that start to look like? The other piece is really starting to align with the CEO and the board. 
they're big decision makers in a lot of what you can say publicly and getting aligned on that early and often will help for the marketer to be able to activate all sorts of great ideas that help drive society forward, culture forward, because they know exactly what can and should be said. Let, let's let's go back to talking about the, 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 the company values and deciding what those company values actually are, because CMOs, as you said, like a lot of them do want to drive societal change. Like that, 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 that stat you presented before is clear indication of that. But what if the values that a CMO wants to project don't align with the values of the company? Uh, what if, like, if you're in a particularly large company, like you might not have control over all the stuff that the company's doing. Like, say you want to present a message of sustainability, but the company also has investments in fracking or oil, oil drilling or something like that, that that's not necessarily aligned with that kind of message. Like, how how do you navigate that as a CMO? Yeah, so we've even seen that most recently with Levi's in the mm -hmm. news, right? And uh, CMOs are a manifestation of the brand. And where do you start to draw the line between what the company stands for and what the CMO stands for, um, which is really complicated. And I would say there's no right answer. For marketers, we always try to recommend that you find a company that your values align with. Otherwise, you, you're going to struggle. It will always be... Um, friction in the system. So to your point, you know, how do you start to align when you don't have your values aligned with company values, not even marketers, anybody will struggle. And so how do you start to make sure that that's part of the decision process as you go through, because you are the heart and soul and the representation to the customer and internally and getting clear on the company values and what you care about will help you succeed. And what about in, in the reverse, when, when maybe you're feeling pressured to put out a message uh, in regards to something that's going on, um, some kind of thing that's happening right now in the news? You said you don't want it to be a knee-jerk reaction, but if the whole world is expecting you to make some kind of message, how do you go about making that, putting that message out there? How do you go about showing that you are actually thinking about this? Or what if it is something that the rest of the company wants to ignore and you as the CMO saying, no, we do need to say something. Everyone on social media is telling us we need to say something about this. Like, how do you go about that? Yeah, it, you're right. A lot of the times you'll have the board come down and say, we're not going to have a point of view on it. And then you've got customers on the other side who are saying, we expect you to take a stand. And what does that look like? You know, at the end of the day, the marketers are the closest to the customer and what they need and want. And being able to use that data, being able to help build a business case as to why this is important to customers and the stance will help everybody understand. You know, This isn't as much a company stance as it is, what do the customers need from us in this moment? And how can we help them? And at what value can we drive? What utility can we drive? And so it's less about a stance and more about how do we align those values and how do we use this as a moment to support the, the greater good? And we hear that. We hear, you know, Mark Pritchard talk a lot about a force for good, right? And how do you use your, the assets you have as a marketer to drive that good in the world and drive that good for our customers? Because that's where those customers will increase loyalty. They'll uh, have brand preference and all of the other business metrics that we see on the, the flip side. I think a great example of that is the... Um... The, the response a lot of companies had to uh, when COVID first became an, an international thing and uh, every company was putting out messages of like, oh, we're here for you. We're still connecting you and stuff like that. 
And that message for some companies, it rings hollow because like you don't have that kind of emotional connection to them, but other companies, it really did say a lot like, and it worked wonders in terms of keeping that business going, keeping customers happy, keeping, keeping the lights on basically, just like putting out that kind of simple message, but it's about identifying if you're the right company to put that message out as well. Like, if you're totally, if you're someone like if Zoom, for example, great example, we're talking over Zoom right now, like they were very much about how we're still keeping you connected. And it wasn't just about keeping business connected, it was keeping people connected. Whereas a company like, um, again, this has come up on the, on the show before, Tesla putting out that kind of message, like Tesla, it's a great brand, people love it, people are very invested in it, but they don't have that kind of same ethos of connecting people in the same way that Zoom has. It, and it kind of rang hollow, that kind of messaging going out, especially coming from a very, very famous rich man who isn't going through the same kind of issues that other people were having. Is that something to be aware of? That sort of like that disconnect, that sort of make, take, presenting a message from sort of a privileged position has got to be something that's got uh, difficult to navigate. Like people saying like, how, how do you actually know? How can you actually have a stance on these certain issues? Like how can you actually show that you have the, the clout and the, the prestige within that realm? Like say for example, um, the Black Lives Matter, protests um if you're a very very caucasian company some people might say it's it's not right for you to go to be speaking out on that on the other hand maybe other people saying no you should be presenting yourself as an ally so it's hard how do you find your right positioning when it comes to these kind of societal messages yeah i think you need to look inside first all the time and how are we showing up as a company and so it's not to say that you shouldn't have a stance on it but maybe your stance is we're going to fix ourselves first mm. and that self-awareness. And so, you know, back to the conversation we we're having, but like function, functionality and utility, really looking at how do we solve for it ourselves? And maybe that is the message out there that we've got work to do. And that vulnerability as a brand to say, here's where we're at and here's our commitment to our customers as to where we're going to get. That is, you know, a way to start to support it. And, that level of authenticity and not using it as a message, but instead of using it as a action to drive behavior change. And you know, the questions that I would always say marketers should start to ask is, does it impact the brand? Does it impact the brand values? Does it impact the customer? If it's yes to one of those, then you do have a role to be able to say something and that customers will start to say something. So to your COVID example, I just saw a stat that uh, customers expect, 62% uh, of customers expect brands to educate the public on public issues. That's a pretty big base that they're looking for brands, not only for a point of view, but to help educate them as in some cases, you know, just as effective of a um, content source which is an incredible place to be. So to your question about Tesla, you know, you had GM out there saying, we are going to pivot and make ventilators because that's our role is to help our customers. It impacts our brand, it impacts our base. That's great, which is different than a facade of a message of connecting people. And that's where you just have to dig deep, like what's really our role and what are we gonna do to solve this issue to make our customer, to help our customers. That that stat is crazy. Like that amount of people looking to to brands for for moral guidance. That like you, yeah, that, that that's that's kind of thrown me for a loop. Even thinking about that, because of course people do look to brands, but for that many people to be saying that, like a majority of people, like 
is that a recent thing do you think do you think that's something that's happened recently or is it something that's been in the, the woodwork for a while and now we're just waking up to that I think that it's increased over the last few years as people are looking at news sources, government, brand, they're looking at all sorts of different places for where do they start to get content that aligns with them. And so I think brands do have an opportunity to use their trust to be able to have a more integral part in their customers' lives. And we've seen that across the board, right? And that's why taking the stance is so important because it not only helps the business, but it does provide benefit to the customers as well. But it is that it's that delicate balance. Um, but yes, I do think it's a newer thing over the past few years, just as we've seen the um, political climate change. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so we talked quite a bit about the external side of things, but and we, we briefly touched on the internal things. But let's talk about like what kind of plan of action do you need to sort of make sure that everyone's aligned within the company behind this kind of messaging? Like, do you just issue a big blanket statement saying like, listen, everyone, we're supporting this movement now, or does that have to be a bit more subtle than that? Do you have to work more with more sort of like individual stakeholders? Yeah, that's a good question. So a lot of times we see, you know, the brief go to agencies, which is very valuable and they'll be able to come back with a lot of ideas, but the brief should be to the C-suite. How does the, the CHRO, the CFO, the COO, how does the, the counterparts within the C-suite be able to band together and say, what is our commitment here? What does this start to look like? Before you even look at activating an execution and being able to get alignment there and so that you're able to go and get support from them because it is, it's an internal ethos. And to your point about committing to uh, living those values internally and having that progress internally, as much as externally. So the relationships in the C-suite is key and bringing it up early and often. So those conversations can be um, proactive and you can start to get ahead of some of these things before it becomes a reaction. Especially with some of the subjects being so divisive, you have to be sure that everyone in the company is gonna be willing, or at least professionally be able to support that. What they do in their private lives might be up to them, but you have to make sure that they will get behind that kind of message, at least in a a public persona is there a way to make sure you're doing that did you have to interrogate every single employee and make sure that they they're willing to speak up on certain things or like well yeah well how do you go about navigating those kinds of murky waters yeah we've seen a lot of cmos really align with um this the head of hr and starting to understand, you know, as this marketer looks at externally in the customer base and what does that look like, really using the talent partner to understand what's the pulse of our internal groups and what does that start to look like and what are their stance and articulation of these values? Because that's a really important piece to your point of walking the walk. You need you know, the 5,000, 10,000, hundreds of thousands of people to live up to those values is your messaging externally. So looking at your talent partners to get a good pulse and very similar data to how you would have customer data, how do you start to map that and look at your internal teams similarly? And very quickly, you know, a lot of talent pieces are, you know, what's the sentiment, what's the emotional health, you know, what's the mental health, but also how are we living the values and how do you start to bring those pieces in so that you can start to understand the um, temperature and the climate of your internal base, which is just as important as uh, your customer base. And how do you go about making sure your teams are aware enough about these issues to be able to, to create content and marketing about them? Like, is it just 
sending them off to do research on it? Do you have sort of internal advisory team on that? Do you have to build, say, say you were doing a team about, you big push about inclusivity in the workplace. Would you have like a specific team within the marketing department to work on content related to that? Or would it be more about sort of disseminating that kind of viewpoint across the, across the team? Yeah, so it started with, we saw a lot of teams spin up. Uh, you know, we need a team dedicated to this issue. We realized that a lot of that was then starting to create a silo around the solution opposed to ownership of the entire problem. So to play out your example, you know, there was, you know, early days, a lot of inclusion teams within marketing departments and how do we show up and how do we have diversity messaging and what is the diversity plan as opposed to saying, we all need to live by these principles. And we all need to look at our advertising agency and what is it getting made up of in terms of people who are creating our advertising? What types of messages are going out in the mainstream? This is no longer a niche challenge. This is something everybody needs to take ownership of. And so how do you have principles and programs that everybody across the line starts to execute? It just raises the boat for everybody because they're able to execute in the day-to-day as opposed to it being something on the sidelines. So even as we talk about some of these other societal and cultural things, very similarly, how do we, the whole marketing department, show up and and represent that in the channels we represent or media or the content that we create? Because it needs to be across the board. And especially, it's interesting you mentioned silos, especially going back to what we were saying earlier about customers and consumers being a lot more savvy about doing research on the companies they're working with. If they see you've got an inclusivity team, for some people that could be a red flag. That could be like a way of saying, oh, they're just putting all of that. It's just like a thing to put on the website saying, oh, we've got an inclusivity team. It's not really showing that inclusivity, just using inclusivity as the example here, is something that's done across the board. So yeah, having that silo team could be even detrimental in the long run. I totally agree. A very specific example is um, we were working with a marketing department that was quite small and was augmented by quite a large agency infrastructure to be able to support them. And inclusivity was very important to this client and, and they had a diverse team. But all of a sudden, when you looked at their vendor landscape, it was not. Mm-hmm. And they weren't living by the big those principles and what that started to look like. And they were driving a majority of the communications, the messaging the media buys. And so everybody needs to get held accountable to it. And so as you start to look at what are the metrics that we have, not only as marketers externally, but as we were talking about internally with teams and vendors and and partners, what does that start to look like? And how did they also help us accomplish what those goals are and being held accountable as well? Let's talk about metrics because it won't be marketing about metrics and KPIs. Is there a way to measure your kind of impact with uh, trying to change society in this way, besides changing society? Like, is, is there something you can do internally to sort of keep track of like your progress and how you're doing with this kind of approach? Absolutely. Uh, you know, this isn't, uh, this should not be a hobby for clients. <laughs> they, this needs to be in service of driving business metrics. And we've seen the stats where when a brand stands up for their values and those values are aligned with customer values, it drives business impact. You have more loyal customers, you have repeat purchase, you have brand advocacy, you have um, organic sentiment lift. And so you've seen all those different pieces, but it goes down to that authenticity. 
you can't just do it to say, okay, now we're going to hit all these metrics. This is a marketing program. This is how you show up every single day. And you'll see incremental lift across the board, but it is challenging, right? There's some brands and some issues that you just can't take a stance on because it would have a negative impact on your business and on your customers. That's why finding that right sweet spot of what do we care about? What do our customers care about? And say laser focused on that will help. And having those kinds of metrics as well could also be a good way of sort of dispelling the loud noises in response to it, uh, particularly negative noises. Uh, I think back to um, when Nike was, well, Nike is still supporting the, the Take the Knee movement. Um, and when they came out very proudly about that, supporting Josh, oh, I'm going to struggle with his surname. It's Copernic, I think it is. Kaepernick. Yeah, we don't hear his name that often. I need to see it read in the UK. Um, but yeah, um, when, when Nike came out in, big, in support of him and uh, Taking the Knee movement, Loads and loads of people were out on social media burning Nike products and stuff like that, they're protesting against it. But Nike sales went up. Like the actual response to the advertising campaign went off up. So even though there was this big, in certain corners of the internet, very loud response, negative response to it, the actual numbers showed that this was an effective way to go. Besides being the right thing to do from sort of a, a um, the right thing to do from sort of a philosophical approach, but it also had paid off for the business in the end as well and absolutely yeah having those kinds of yeah having here's what i would love go on yeah go on sorry here's what i would love to know is what is the impact of the marketer that's brave enough to be the first Mm. versus the second third fourth fifth i'd be so curious to understand is what is the benefit of being the first person to take that leap because it's always the case. There's one brand who's gonna do it and then everybody else feels brave enough to say, we're gonna do it too because all of a sudden the board is like, okay, now you have permission. There's a variety of different factors that marketers are trying to juggle. I would love to understand, do they have the same lift or is there a point of diminishing returns based on how many people jump on certain societal challenges? That would be an absolutely fascinating study, definitely. Like uh, doing almost like a case, like different case studies on different type, and like how that actual, how it actually came about would be absolutely fascinating. And it's something that I would really want to work on. So I'll write that down as something that we might look at for the, uh, the CMR Alliance. <laughs> Thank you, yeah, Katie. It, yeah. yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's just, it's fascinating to see at what point does it become noise mm. versus a brand value. And we saw that during COVID. There were some incredible brands that stood up early and and took a stance on um their point of view their empathy the how they were going to support customers but at what point were you watching the news and you had 20 ads that were all saying very similar messages and are you the brand that doesn't say it because there's a point of diminishing returns or do you have to say it now because everybody else has said it so you need to say your point and that's where it gets really fascinating and I commend the CMOs who are brave and brave with their boards and brave with their CEOs to say we're going to do it first that, that sounds like that sounds like a very very nice call to action right there something to, something to leave our, our audience with definitely um Katie is there is there any anything else that you'd, you'd want to share in terms of like how CMOs can approach societal change like maybe maybe a golden rule like three golden rules whatever you want to throw out there it's like the one last thing for our audience absolutely I would say one golden rule 
be real. Because to your point, everybody will sniff out all the different things of what's true and what's not true and what's authentic. And are you living that? You know, it, customers are hard and they will scrutinize what your point of view is on the world and they will go digging and look and just be real, be authentic, be vulnerable, be human. Like all those great traits that make us as leaders are also what make great brands. And as much as we can bring that empathy and heart from the marketers and have that live within the brand, that's when it's magical. Oh, fantastic. That's a, that, that is a perfect note to end on there, Katie. Thank you very much. Um, thank you very much for speaking to me today. It's been a great conversation. Um, it's one that's close to my heart. I know it's something that's important to a lot of our audience. Um, thank you very much to our audience for listening. And we'll be back soon with some more CMO combo. Thank you so much.